Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon whenever you catch this podcast. I am Dr. Stephen Strange. I am not the Marvel character. I am the pastor at Trustful First United Methodist, and uh, I have been asked this week to do our podcast. And so I want to take it from this week's uh, reading, and I'm going to be taking it from the Luke 8 26 through 39 portion of our reading for this week. Of course, we had some in Luke and Exodus, 1 Kings, Psalms, Proverbs, Jeremiah, and then Galatians. But I want to use this little section right here, these 13 verses out of Luke 8. And so I'm going to read it for you, and then we'll move from there. So they sailed to the region of the Gersinerans, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his lungs, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to let them go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the garrisons asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So they got into the boat and they left. The man whom the demons had gone out begged with them. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town, how much Jesus had done for him. Now, the interesting thing, I guess, is in this scripture, and the reason why I chose this scripture is because we were actually having a discussion 
in our Disciple Bible Study. I've been taking a group here through the Disciple Bible Study for the last three years. And so the first year we did Disciple 1, and then last year Jesus and the Gospels. And this year uh, we're in Disciple 2. And if you know what Disciple 2, when you get to the New Testament part, you get into the Luke Acts. And so this scripture was actually part of our reading not too long ago. And so I figured that was the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that that's what we needed to hear and what we needed to talk about today. So the interesting thing about this scripture is in Bible study, we were talking about, and so this was just about three weeks ago that I believe this happened. There was a shooting in a New York supermarket. The next day, there was a shooting in the church. And even though I know two of these or one of these has been labeled as a hate crime and and how awful that is, these shootings have become way too common. We hear about them all the time. As a matter of fact, in the same weekend that that was done, there were 33, yes, 33 gunned down murders in Chicago. New York had over 20. So in one weekend, if you include the supermarket and the church shootings, somewhere around 60 people. So we began to talk about this and and lots of questions about how does someone get to this point and why would someone do this and, and all that. And so we got to the question of how does someone get to this low point in their life where they really just want to kill people? And of course, that led into a conversation of, are they just evil or are they mentally ill? And and that's a great question. And I think that question has been around for years. That's kind of one of the things we want to tackle a little bit today in our reading as we hear about this. I think in the scripture, I think we see that there's two distinct different scenarios in that. I think we label people sometimes as mentally ill, and I think they are. And then on the vice versa, I think there are people that are just evil, and we label them as mentally ill. And I think in the scripture, there are two distinctions in this. You don't have to do a lot of reading in the dictionaries and and commentaries and the theologies to find out and debate the whole issue of demon possession. To the modern skeptics, the Bible who claim to be Christian, demon possession is rubbish, right? They might say it was a primitive way to describe people who had a psychiatric or a social disorder. Um, But the scriptures are not so accommodating to these popular superstitions. If they were false or or fancified, then the gospel writers would have corrected them. But they clearly affirm that there is a spiritual world all around us that cannot be ignored. We are in a battle and we must stay rooted in Christ in order to combat the adversary that wages war against us. So let's look at it from a different standpoint. And and we're going to get into the scripture here in a minute. But I think the overlying issue here is that of, like I said, this, uh, this possession. 
C.S. Lewis said people make two mistakes in considering demons or demon activity. Either they discount it and think nothing of it, or they become too fascinated and too preoccupied with it. I think demon activity is real, more active in some of the darker regions than others, but it's something that every Christian should think about, but we shouldn't live in fear of. For if Christ has won the big victory over evil forces, then why should we worry about it? I think that it is real, and I think even Paul gives us the reference here, and he gives us that reference in Ephesians. I always thought that this would be some good reading for this week, but Ephesians 12, you've heard six, chapter 6, verse 12 before, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. See, there are territorial spirits that try to control different aspects. Ephesians, another reference, 4.27, says, Do not let the devil have a foothold in your life. I thought about that a lot because I thought about what that means, to have a foothold in your life. I'm reminded of playing football, and, and if you could grab a hold of somebody's foot, and you could hang on long enough, the rest of the players would come to help you tackle them. And soon you would be consumed with the defense. The same is true in our life. When we allow sin to come in, usually one sin leads to another. And that foothold soon becomes what we call a stronghold. I was reminded of a story that I use with my own children about this. And sometimes they would say, hey, I want to listen to a music or I want to watch a movie. And it's only got a little nudity in it. It only got a little cussing in it. It's only got a little violence in it. I was reminded of a story of a lady whose son came to her and said, I want to watch a movie. It's rated R. It's only got a little cussing in it. The kid knew the mother didn't allow the kids to, to watch rated R movies, but to the kid's surprise, she said, hey, I, I tell you what, you all go out and play. I'm going to make some brownies, and then when you guys come back in, we'll watch that movie and eat some brownies. What she did was she went out into the yard, and she scooped up some of the dog's poop. She put it in a bag, and then she went in and baked the brownies. When it was time for the brownies to be eaten, she gave each kid a brownie. And then she asked how the brownies were. Each kid said that the brownies were good, to which then she pulled out the bag with the dog feces in it. She says, well, I just wanted to let you know that I put just a little bit of this into the brownies. Just a little bit. Now, she hadn't really done that. It was all for a story, an illustration. But the kids soon understood that even if there was just a little bit in there, that it had ruined the whole badge. The guy in the story had allowed a foothold to become a stronghold. And there was only one way that this man could get out of it. Let's go back and visit the scripture a little bit now that we have defined that not only did this guy have one demon possession, but that he had a legion of demons. Now we know from the scripture, legion meaning a thousand plus, maybe 
an exaggeration, but we know that his whole life has been taken over by demons. First of all, we know that Jesus has landed in a Gentile region. There are several indications to that. But Gisenerat is this area. He's went across the Sea of Galilee, and he could have very well have went around this graveyard, the place of the dead. But instead, he chose to walk through it. I can imagine that the disciples were probably discussing and asking the question, why are we going this way? But Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus was going through this, and going through this would have made him ceremonially unclean because he was going to walk among the tombs of the dead. But he was going to show the disciples that he could raise those that were dead, that he could give new life to those that needed it. We immediately see that he bumps into this guy, and the demons immediately recognize who he is. This is the scary part in our life today, to know that demons can see God. And they actually call out to him, what do you want with me? And listen, they call him by name, Jesus, son of the most high God. And then, you know, they say the weirdest thing. I beg you, don't torture me. Don't torture me. I think how amazing for them to say that. But Jesus asked for the demons to come out of the man. And rather than them go to the abyss, and I think this is a very eye-opening statement. In the scripture, a lot of times, abyss is separation from God. And the way we would describe that would be hell. Hades, place of the dead, was different than the abyss. The abyss was a place where the lost were forever. And this scripture is so telling because it is so bad, the abyss is so bad, that not even the demons want to go into the abyss. And they begged Jesus. They didn't just ask him. They begged Jesus repeatedly, repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. I think how amazing this is. And once again, this is Jesus' way of showing, look, hey, listen, I come to bring life and bring it to the fullest. Accept me. And instead, they asked to go into a large herd of pigs. Once again, this is how we know this is a Gentile region. If it had been a Jewish region, they wouldn't have been herding pigs. And a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged them to let them go into the pigs. And what does Jesus do? He gives them permission. But listen what happens next. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down a steep bank and into the lake and was drowned. Is Jesus foreshadowing? Is he foreshadowing here? Are Luke foreshadowing revelations? Is he foreshadowing, and this is Jesus' words, is he foreshadowing what's going to happen? Do you remember what happens when Jesus comes back? When Jesus comes back, it says that he would be drowned in a lake with his demons. How awesome is that? That this lines up 
with Him defeating the dark side, with Him defeating those who are against us. I want to kind of end with talking about what Jesus offered this man. This man would cut himself. This man was naked. This man had no shame. This man was not in his right mind. And yet Jesus came to save him. And not only did Jesus save him, but the man from whom the demons had gone begged to go with Jesus. But Jesus said, listen, you don't need to go with me. And I think there's two reasons for this. First of all, how effective would it be for him to return to his hometown in his right mind and people to see the difference in the change in his life? How amazing would that be? And so Jesus gave him the command, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Is that not our call as ministers? Is that not our call? Is to preach the gospel, not just to the good, but to face those that are facing crisis like this. God came to set it all free. And he sets this man free. I was reminded of when I worked at Kentucky Baptist Homes for Children. And I was reminded of how many kids would come in there so broken, so hurt. Most had been sexually abused, physically abused, neglected, beaten. They were broken. A lot of them even resembled a little bit of the man at the tombs. They would cut themselves try to kill themselves, try to commit suicide. I can tell you story after story of things that happen. But my one story in particular that I want to close with was about a young man. He had literally been raped by his father and his brother for years. He came to us so broken, so hurt. One week he had attacked one of our female staff members and was put into the quiet room. I was at seminary at the time, and I was studying Greek at the time, believe it or not. And as he was sitting in the quiet room, I gave him my Greek cards and asked if he would quiz me on it. That led into us talking about a conversation about Jesus. He said he had never really heard about Jesus, and a few weeks later, he came to me and said he wanted to give his life to Christ. He was baptized, and you would not believe the difference that Jesus made in his life. It made such a difference that about little under a year later, he was dismissed from the home and got to go into foster care, which people said he would never be able to do. About three or four months into his foster care, he was riding a bike and lost control, ran out in front of a car and was killed. But you know what? He went to heaven. He accepted Christ. Here was a kid who, because of circumstances, was not in his right mind. But Jesus loved him, cared for him, and he was saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the man went away 
and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Amen.